Chapter 10 of The New Magdalene. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leila Montepe. The New Magdalene by Wilkie Collins. Chapter 10 A Council of Three. For a moment, Horace stood thunderstruck, looking in blank astonishment at Lady Janet. His first words, as soon as he had recovered himself, were addressed to Julian. Is this a joke? he asked sternly. If it is, I for one don't see the humour of it. Julian pointed to the closely written pages of the consul's letter. A man writes in earnest, he said, when he writes at such length as this. The woman seriously gave the name of Grace Rosebury, and when she left Mannheim, she travelled to England for the express purpose of presenting herself to Lady Janet Roy. He turned to his aunt. You saw me start, he went on, when you first mentioned Miss Rosebury's name in my hearing. Now you know why. He addressed himself once more to Horace. You heard me say that you, as Miss Rosebury's future husband, had an interest in being present at my interview with Lady Janet. Now you know why. This woman is plainly mad, said Lady Janet. But it is certainly a startling form of madness when one first hears of it. Of course, we must keep the matter, for the present at least, a secret from Grace. There can be no doubt, Horace agreed, that Grace must be kept in the dark in her present state of health. The servants had better be warned beforehand, in case of this adventurous or mad woman, whichever she may be, attempting to make her way into the house. It shall be done immediately, said Lady Janet. What surprises me, Julian, uh, ring the bell if you please, is that you should describe yourself in your letter as feeling an interest in this person. Julian answered without ringing the bell. I am more interested than ever, he said. Now I find that Miss Rosebury herself is your guest at Mablethorpe House. You always were perverse, Julian, as a child in your likings and dislikings. Lady Janet rejoined. Why don't you ring the bell? For one good reason, my dear aunt. I don't wish to hear you tell your servants to close the door on this friendless creature. Lady Janet cast a look at her nephew, which plainly expressed that she thought he had taken a liberty with her. You don't expect me to see the woman? she asked in a tone of cold surprise. I hope you will not refuse to see her, Julian answered quietly. I was out when she called. I must hear what she has to say. And I should infinitely prefer hearing it in your presence. When I got your reply to my letter, permitting me to present her to you, I wrote to her immediately, appointing a meeting here. Lady Janet lifted her bright black eyes in mute expostulation to the carved cupids and wreaths on the dining room ceiling. 
When am I to have the honour of the lady's visit? She inquired with ironical resignation. Today, answered her nephew with impenetrable patience. At what hour? Julian composedly consulted his watch. She is ten minutes after her time, he said, and put his watch back in his pocket again. At the same moment, the servant appeared and advanced to Julian, carrying a visiting card on his little silver tray. A lady to see you, sir. Julian took the card and, bowing, handed it to his aunt. Here she is, he said, just as quietly as ever. Lady Janet looked at the card and tossed it indignantly back to her nephew. Miss Rosebery, she exclaimed, printed, actually printed on her card. Julian, even my patience has its limits. I refuse to see her. The servant was still waiting, not like a human being who took an interest in the proceedings, but, as became a perfectly bred footman, like an article of furniture, artfully constructed to come and go at the word of command. Julian gave the word of command, addressing the admirably constructed automaton by the name of James. Where is the lady now? he asked. In the breakfast room, sir. Leave her there, if you please, and wait outside within hearing of the bell. The legs of the furniture footman acted and took him noiselessly out of the room. Julian turned to his aunt. Forgive me, he said, for venturing to give the man his orders in your presence. I am very anxious that you should not decide hastily. Surely we ought to hear what this lady has to say. Horace dissented widely from his friend's opinion. It is an insult to Grace, he broke out warmly, to hear what she has to say. Lady Janet nodded her head in high approval. I think so too, said her ladyship, crossing her handsome old hands resolutely on her lap. Julian applied himself to answering Horace first. Pardon me, he said. I have no intention of presuming to reflect on Miss Rosebery or of bringing her into the matter at all. The consul's letter, he went on, speaking to his aunt, mentions, if you remember, that the medical authorities of Mannheim were divided in opinion on their patient's case. Some of them, the physician-in-chief being among the number, believe that the recovery of her mind has not accompanied the recovery of her body. In other words, Lady Janet remarked, a madwoman is in my house and I am expected to receive her. Don't let us exaggerate, said Julian gently. It can serve no good interest in this serious matter to exaggerate anything. The consul assures us on the authority of the doctor that she is perfectly gentle and harmless. If she is really the victim of a mental delusion, the poor creature is surely an object of compassion, and she ought to be placed under proper care. Ask your own kind heart, my dear aunt, if it would not be downright cruelty to turn this forlorn woman adrift in the world without making some inquiry first. Lady Janet's inbred sense of justice admitted not overwillingly 
the reasonableness as well as the humanity of the view expressed in those words. There is some truth in that, Julian, she said, shifting her position uneasily in her chair and looking at Horace. Don't you think so too? she added. I can't say I do, answered Horace, in the positive tone of a man whose obstinacy is proof against every form of appeal that can be addressed to him. The patience of Julian was firm enough to be a match for the obstinacy of Horace. At any rate, he resumed with undiminished good temper, we are all three equally interested in setting this matter at rest. I put it to you, Lady Janet, if we are not favoured at this lucky moment with the very opportunity that we want. Miss Rosebury is not only out of the room, but out of the house. If we let this chance slip, who can say what awkward accident may not happen in the course of the next few days? Let the woman come in, cried Lady Janet, deciding headlong with her customary impatience of all delay. At once, Julian, before Grace can come back, will you ring the bell this time? This time, Julian rang it. May I give the man his orders? He respectfully inquired of his aunt. Give him anything you like and have done with it, retorted the irritable old lady, getting briskly on her feet and taking a turn in the room to compose herself. The servant withdrew with orders to show the visitor in. Horace crossed the room at the same time, apparently with the intention of leaving it by the door at the opposite end. You are not going away, exclaimed Lady Janet. I see no use in my remaining here, replied Horace, not very graciously. In that case, retorted Lady Janet, remain here because I wish it. Certainly, if you wish it. Only remember, he added more obstinately than ever, that I differ entirely from Julian's view. In my opinion, the woman has no claim on us. A passing movement of irritation escaped Julian for the first time. Don't be hard, Horace, he said sharply. All women have a claim on us. They had unconsciously gathered together in the heat of the little debate, turning their backs on the library door. At the last words of the reproof administered by Julian to Horace, their attention was recalled to passing events by the slight noise produced by the opening and closing of the door. With one accord, the three turned and looked in the direction from which the sounds had come. End of chapter 10